Welcome, everyone, to the Juice Wrestling Podcast, where every week we discuss who's got the juice, who doesn't got the juice, and who is the juice in professional wrestling slash sports entertainment. I am your host, the Mountain Man, Spike Von Shadow, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about this week. A lot going on, especially this past weekend, we had the New Japan Pro Wrestling Dominion event. We are a week away from Money in the Bank, a week away from NXT TakeOver. So there's a lot going on and a lot to talk about. So without further ado, let's uh, just like every Juice podcast, let's jump right into the news and then uh, we'll talk about Raw. This episode I'm going to be discussing and reviewing Raw and I'm going to be talking a little bit about the New Japan Pro Wrestling event, Dominion. Um, a lot of people out there, uh, maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. Especially by now, um, you probably should have seen it. Um, some of the best matches I've seen all year. And once again, New Japan is hitting it out of the park. So, before we get to that, let's, uh, let's get to a little bit of news this week. Oh, this week... Former WWE star CM Punk faced Mike Jackson in uh, a UFC fight recently. Uh, CM Punk won his court case. And uh, especially after the grueling, grueling defeat for CM Punk. Now, to everybody at home, listen, okay? I've never really been a fan of CM Punk. Maybe a lot of you out there were or are. Maybe you can't stand him. Maybe you love him. Who knows? Me, I've just kind of been indifferent to him. And I think that the backlash after his loss to Mike Jackson, um, I think is pretty sad. and, And I think... It shows how pitiful we are as a society. Uh, the all the attacks and the name calling and just everything that's been thrown at CM Punk. I get it. There are a lot of people out there that are either salty about him leaving WWE. I get it. Um, my thing is, I don't hate him. I don't love him. I'm just kind of indifferent to him. But he lost uh, at UFC 225 this week. Um, And the UFC president had this to say. What comes out of his camp is everyone respects this guy and how hard he works and the commitment he has made to become a mixed martial artist. Dana White was also uh, the Dana White was also interviewed by TMZ um, about this past weekend, and um, this will probably be his last match. This will or his last fight. A um, lot of lot of issues, a lot of uh, hate thrown at CM Punk. Um, I I watched part of the fight. Um, at one point I just kind of had to turn it off. It was just, it was just sad. Um, on other news, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns part six. It is being said that Lesnar and Roman Reigns will main event this year's SummerSlam. Gone. According to Wrestling Votes, if Lesnar versus Reigns main event SummerSlam, it will be the second time in history that the same match main evented both WrestleMania and SummerSlam in the same year. Also, uh, 
Brock Lesnar is supposed to drop the belt at SummerSlam. So there's a lot of time in between now and August. So who knows what will happen there. Um, Let's see. Also this week, Ronda Rousey is inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. Which, once we get to Raw, that will play a factor in this storyline against her and Nia Jax. Um, Also this week, in the midst of CM Punk's loss, Corey Graves from WWE starts a shitstorm on Twitter. I'm not going to go into a whole rant about this. Just because, number one, I can't stand Corey Graves. I think at times his commentary is good at times. He's got his uh, moments. But him as a person, I can't stand. And I think he just went a little too personal this week in attacking CM Punk. Especially when the man's down. Okay, Especially after he's lost. Leave him alone, man. Just let it go. Just And especially the verbal stabs that he took at him. I'm not going to go into the whole thing. I, I just... Basically, Corey Graves putting his personal business out there on social media when it really has no place. So... Also this week, uh, Brock Lesnar UFC return. Uh, Dana White spoke to TMZ Sports recently and talked about Brock Lesnar returning to the UFC after his WWE deal is done. Dana White said that Brock's WWE deal is up at the end of the summer. Hmm. Hmm. If his WWE... Deal is up at the end of summer, which SummerSlam is at the end of summer, would make you think that he's going to drop the belt to Roman Reigns. So, all right, uh, what else is going on this week? Roddy Roddy Piper. The, the the late, great Roddy Roddy Piper is supposed to get his own comic book. Mess Bucket Comics took to Twitter to announce that they are working on a new comic series on the WWE Hall of Famer Rowdy Roddy Piper, written by Dominic Rio and illustrated by Eric Hudson. Uh, not quite sure what it's going to be about, but, um, kind of sounds interesting. Okay, so let's, uh, so before we move further, um, let's see what else we got going on here. Oh, that brings us, uh, let's, brings us to our new Japan. Okay. This past weekend, we had Dominion on the 9th of June, 6-9. And two matches that I watched that I was really, really impressed with was Nato versus Chris Jericho and Kazuchiha Okada versus Kenny Omega for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Now, let me say this, okay? I've been watching wrestling for 28 years now. And this was probably one of the best matches all year. And I absolutely, and I'll tell you why. Now, there are a lot of people that that like the match. Maybe there are some out there that didn't like the match. I'm going to start with um, Nato versus Chris Jericho. Um, and then I'm going to get to Okada and Omega. Okay. Some people are saying that Nato versus Jericho for the IWGP Intercontinental title was better than Okada and Omega. Um, 
My thing is, is I absolutely loved Okada and Omega, and I thought it told more of a story, like, in the ring. And I'll get to that when I get to Okada and Omega. But I still think that that Jericho versus Nato was an amazing match. Uh, I think it, I think it was an incredible match. Uh, Chris Jericho, like the promo too, w- was really really good. Um, pretty much Jericho is coming for the Intercontinental Title, and the the way they told the story, it, it was really really good. Jericho comes out to the ring. Then Nato comes out to the ring and Nato comes out in like this white suit. And I kept thinking to myself in like the first 15 minutes of this match, it was like a 37 to 40 minute match. And I kept thinking to myself, like in the first part of this match, like literally in the first, I think it was 10 to 12 minutes. I don't think it was 10 to 15. It was like first 10 to 12 minutes. Chris Jericho completely dominated this match. And I love the New Japan Pro Wrestling version of Chris Jericho. He's this just brutal heel. He's using the F-bomb. He's just uh, unapologetic. Just destroyed Nato in like that first 10 to 15 minutes. Nato comes to the ring, and the bell isn't even rung, and Chris Jericho just goes all ham on him. Puts him through a table, puts him against, put, puts him on the table. Um, like, th- there were certain moments in this match where I, I, I was just like, holy shit, why don't they do this stuff in WWE, or more or less, why don't they do this stuff on the main roster? I mean... The table shots, like at one point, I think it was about the 15 to 20 minute mark that not, no, it was, I think it was even a little later than that. It wasn't until like halfway to, to the end of the match that Nato actually got out of his suit and into his actual wrestling gear. But I digress. Uh, and Chris Jericho just took it to him right from the start. Just... Like, he's out for fucking blood. And I just kept thinking to myself, while I'm watching this match, I'm like, why don't we get this type of Chris Jericho in WWE? Like, this is the type of Chris Jericho I want to see wrestling. He's brutal. He, he just relentless. So the first part of this match was outside the ring, and he's just utterly destroying him. Especially one moment... When he had Nato on the table and he ran off the ring apron and jumped onto him onto this table. Like, damn. And then Nato gets up and he grabs like this wooden chair and starts taking it to Chris Jericho. And the back and forth in this match was really, really well done. And in the end, Chris Jericho got the pinfall and won the IWGP Intercontinental title. And it wasn't done. He wasn't done. After this, he continues to assault Nato. And he even goes so far as to take his belt off and wrap it around his hand. And he's just beating the living shit out of Nato. In which he eventually leaves the ring. But it was like Chris Jericho was sending a message to everybody on the roster. So uh, I absolutely loved it. Great match. Great match. Now, let's get to the Okada Omega match. Which I've watched this match twice. I absolutely love this. Dave Meltzer... Gave this a seven-star match, which I don't disagree. Because the moment this match started, even if even if you don't think about the build-up, the promo to this, if you don't think about that, just let alone the match by itself, it really told a story. And 
I absolutely loved the story they were telling with this. And it was a two out of three falls match. Believe it lasted almost 60 minutes. And so much back and forth with Okada and Omega. And one of the moments that like just had me dropping my cookies, my soft drink, my popcorn, my hot dog. Um, Okada had uh, Kenny Omega in this tombstone pile driver and tombstone pile drived him on the apron. I, I, I was at that point, I was like, uh, Kenny Omega's done. And then they went back in the ring, wrestled a little bit more than Okada got Omega again in this tombstone pile driver. And then he went for the cover, and the unique way that he covered him was, was kind of like a small package, but had mainly the pressure, uh, like, like a front roll-up, and had the pressure on Kenny's neck, in which all the other covers that he covered him for the, the three count that he tried to, that Kenny kicked out of, were just regular, you know, just regular lifting the leg and trying to pin him. And I I thought this told a great story because the way he pinned him was leading into this whole attack on on Kenny's neck. And the the tombstone pile driver on the apron and then the tombstone pile driver inside the ring and this was the first fall, and I really thought it told a good story. And then especially as the match progresses, um, when Kenny got the first pinfall against um, Okada, like, you could tell, you could tell the look, on, and it was just almost like burned in my mind, the look on Okada's face when Kenny got the first pinfall against him when it was 1-1. Like, Okada had such this look of, of disappointment and, like, he didn't know what was going on. And it was at that point in the match I knew Omega was going to win this one. That's when I knew. Because from then until Kenny pinned him again, Okada looked like he was just out of it. Like, he didn't know what was going on. He didn't know where he was at. And we got a new IWGP heavyweight champion crowned this weekend in Kenny Omega. Congratulations to Kenny Omega. Phenomenal, just phenomenal match. If you get a chance, if you get a chance, go check out Dominion. I strongly and highly recommend it. And with that being said, next month is going to be a busy period for New Japan Pro Wrestling internationally and ahead of the G1 Special at the Cow Palace on July 7th. New Japan is a show in conjunction with Kenny Omega and CEO Fighting Game Championship in Daytona Beach on June 29th, and Strong Style Evolved events in the United Kingdom on June 30th and July 1st. Kushida, Sonata, Evil, and Bushi will also be appearing at Ring of Honors June 29th, Best in the World pay-per-view, and subsequent television tapings. After announcing four matches for the Cow Palace, New Japan has revealed that the cards for the Strong Style Evolved shows today Night one will be taking place in the Milton Keynes and will be headlining by Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. Defending their Revolution Pro Wrestling British Tag Team titles against Kazuchika Okada and Tomorohiro Ishii. So... That should be interesting, and um, I'm trying to figure out, oh, uh, where is it, where is it, where is it? 
Kenny Omega is set to defend his title against uh, Cody Rhodes. So that should be interesting. That should be fun. Now, let's get to Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw this week. Started uh, leading up, we got the go-home show going into Money in the Bank, in which we start out with this, oh man, Monday Night Raw this week, wow. To everybody who's been paying attention and listening to my podcast, you know uh, how I feel about Monday Night Raw. Um, I feel like... Monday Night Raw is the corporate wrestling show, where I feel as if SmackDown Live is the fans' wrestling show. Especially once I get to my SmackDown review, which stay tuned for that. But you can tell that there's a different tone. You can tell that there's a different feel when it comes to Monday Night Raw and SmackDown Live. I feel like the creative teams, I feel like The way they open the shows, I feel like the overall feel of the shows are like night and day. And like I said, I feel like Monday Night Raw is like the corporate wrestling show. Where SmackDown Live is like the fan show. So we start with everybody, we start this Monday Night Raw with everybody on a ladder. We are going to have the first women's Money in the Bank ladder match with both brands this year. And so we have all the competitors from Raw up on ladders. In which we get, once again, Kurt Angle coming out to the You Suck Chance, which I don't know... What I'm more fed up with, Kurt Angle or the crowd chanting, you suck. Like, really, every time he comes out, okay, I get it. He makes a bad decision, does something stupid. Um, But really, every time he comes out, something uh, I still don't quite understand about the WWE universe. Really? Every time? Really? I don't know if this is something that during the shows... They, they put up on the Titantron so that everybody chants it. I don't know, but it just seems weird to me. In which everybody, uh, in which Kurt Angle comes out and then Baron Corbin comes out. And Kurt Angle talking about how Money in the Bank's happening this weekend and that it would be great to have both Money in the Bank contracts coming to Raw from both the men's and the women's side. And in the midst of everybody bickering, and it really felt like, felt like everybody was in high school. It felt like, like class was starting and like all the kids were just bickering and yelling and and, and nobody could, it, it was it was just very, it's very juvenile, and it, you know, at times it was a little funny, but um, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I feel like leading up to a big pay-per-view, leading up to especially something like Money in the Bank, I think we should take it a little more seriously. I get it. This is sports entertainment. I get it. You know, we're trying to make everybody laugh and, and all that shit, whatever, but I really feel like this especially this pay-per-view is, is going to change the landscape or, or change how the rest of the year is going to go. And so I felt like this opening sequence was a little tacky. And you've got, you got the women complaining about, oh, I'm going to win money in the bank and make Stephanie McMahon proud. And, oh, I'm going to win the bank. And then, then you get Alexa Bliss screaming and everybody stopping. And 
Then you get the, and then you get Kev, Kevin Owens is big fat ass. Like, listen, okay, I get that, that there are probably a lot of you out there that, that think uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are are great. Um, I don't know. They're like two wrestlers out of like the entire roster that I am not excited about. I am not excited to see them. I think they are rather annoying and I, every time they're in a segment, I, I just, I have to cringe because I'm like, really, this is the best that WWE has to offer as far as heels go. Really? Now, maybe you at home, maybe you watch it every week like I do, and you're like, oh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are fucking great. They're fucking great. And, you know, uh, you think they're great? Well, fine on you. Um, I don't see the appeal. I don't see the appeal of a, a, a fat ass like Kevin Owens who is does nothing but whine and bitch every week it feels like about how he's not how he's mistreated and all this shit how that is good television i don't see it um if i never seen him the rest of my life on tv i'd be good in which we get kiss ass kevin owens Telling the women, uh, let's get to let's get to something that's actually meaningful. Let's actually talk about something that's important. In which I'm thinking to myself, like, this is going to be the first Raw and SmackDown women's ladder match. Um, I think that's kind of important. Um, you and your blubbering fat ass and the rest of Raw. Okay, number one, Braun Strowman's excellent. I think Vin, Finn Balor is really good. Um, and Bobby Roode needs a heel turn, and we need more of that NXT-style Bobby Roode, um, the one that was going to change NXT and make it in his image. Like, remind, that Bobby Roode reminds me of old-school Ric Flair, the styling and profile. Like, I like that Bobby Roode. We need to bring him back. I digress. In which Kevin Owens whining and complaining. We get a new Baron Corbin this week, which might have been one of the most um, actual uh, uh, exciting moments of this week's Raw. Baron Corbin's got a new haircut. Apparently they cut all his hair away because he's this new constable in which he goes, uh, Baron Corbin talks this week about how if both raw women's and men don't bring back the money in the bank contract, that there's going to be some serious consequences against Kurt Angle. And which kiss-ass Kevin Owens is like, oh yeah, love the new haircut, by the way. And I'm like, really? I'm like, all right, whatever. Um... He, he continues to complain about the fact that it's not fair that the ladder is the same for everybody and that they need to have a smaller ladder or a different ladder for Braun Strowman because he's so big. Um, I'm, I, I don't know. Maybe to you at home, maybe you're like, uh, hey. Um, I, I, I think that was a good segment. I thought he made a valid point. Um, I thought it was trash. Okay. And which Braun Strowman, uh, after everybody starts arguing again, talking about someone's going to get these hands. Okay. We all know, and I'm going to get to this in a little bit when I get to my predictions, but nobody from raw is going to win this money in the bank. Okay. I really do. I really think no one's going to win this. And I could really give a shit less about 
the men's raw side of the Money in the Bank ladder match. In which we follow that up with the first match, which is the four members of the women's raw ladder match side uh, going off in a fatal four-way. Sasha, Ember, Alexa, and Natalia. In which Alexa needed her own entrance. Now, to a lot of people out there, you're like, why did Alexa need her own entrance? And I've heard a lot of people on social media complain about this. And I'm and it's really simple. It's really fucking simple. This is part of Alexa's character. She's this prima donna. Um, she wants her own entrance. So I think it makes sense. And another thing that I wanted to point out, maybe you missed it. I didn't, but WWE creative, the creative writing team, I think is sleeping. I really do. Because one of the things I noticed that maybe you didn't was, did anybody notice Natalia's knee this week? Did anybody notice that Natalia's left knee was wrapped up this week? Oh, yeah, Spike. Oh, yeah, Mountain Man. Uh, yeah, we noticed that her knee was bothering her. Okay, good. Did you also notice that last week it was the right knee? I did. I noticed it. I noticed that last week when uh, her match with Nia Jax, it was her right knee that was apparently bothering her and that she had the ice pack on. But now this week it's the left knee. So my question is, is uh, I, I think one of the... Uh, <laughs> one of the most exciting things going into Money in the Bank with this women's ladder match. What knee is going to be bothering Natalia this week? Is it going to be the left knee? Is it going to be the right knee? Is it going to be her shoulder? From week to week, does the creative team at uh, WWE forget what uh, appendage or side of the body is affecting their athletes? Just saying. Which, I was actually happy with the match. Now, maybe some of you at home were like, oh, this is trash. Um, also, here at uh, The Juice, I watch the shows so you don't have to. Maybe some of you out there only watch the highlights every week. Or maybe uh, you just look up the results online. Me, I go through the daunting process every week of watching every inch of Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Sometimes twice. <laughs> In which this was actually a good match. Um, granted, per the storyline, didn't really bring anything to the table. But it was, I thought it was a good match. A lot, uh, a lot of inside, outside the ring stuff going on. Uh, Ember Moon looked incredible as always. Her... Sasha Banks looked really good. And uh, at the end of the match, we had Natalia apply the sharpshooter to Alexa Bliss. In which, at the end, I thought Ember Moon was going to walk out of this the winner. She hit the eclipse to Natalia. And then Alexa came and, or Sasha Banks came and saved it. She gets thrown outside the ring. Natalia, or Alexa rolls in. We get a little bit of back and forth with Natalia and her, and she applies the sharpshooter, which her knee bothering her. Um, looks like she applied that uh, sharpshooter pretty easily. But one of the things I noticed was at certain points in the match, uh, the knee was bothering Natalia, and at certain points it wasn't. 
whatever. All right, so moving forward. In our next segment, we get Kevin and Finn, in which throughout this whole show leading up to Finn versus Bobby Roode versus Kevin Owens versus Braun Strowman in the main event, throughout the show, we get Kevin Owens going to Finn Balor and Bobby Roode and trying to get them all to work together because they're fighting Braun Strowman. In which Kevin goes on to say that we need to work together and that uh, maybe it shouldn't be every man for himself, but every man against monster. Uh, next, we move on to the cringeworthy Brazongo versus Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre match. In which I thought the match was a little too long. I felt that Drew and Dolph should have finished Brazongo off Five minutes max. It was uh, I think it was an eight or nine minute match. Felt like it should have been a little shorter than that. But whatever. Um, in which, after they completely destroy Brazongo, they go on to say that the Battle Royal was a fluke, and I have to agree. I felt that them losing this Battle Royal was stupid as fuck. I feel like at Money in the Bank, we should be getting... Bray and Matt Hardy against Dolphin Drew. And especially after they beat Brazongo, they go on to say that the show starts and ends here. And that this is Exhibit A and Exhibit B. And this is what we're going to do to the tag team of Vision. And that this is, without saying it, without saying it, that the tag team division is shit and we are going to make it awesome. Which, in this segment, I kept thinking to myself, I am waiting for the moment. I am waiting for the moment that Drew McIntyre just destroys Dolph Ziggler and says, I don't need you. I'm going for that universal title. And I hope that this alliance... I hope that this tag team with them doesn't end or, or doesn't last long because I'm I'm already sick of those two. I'm not sick of, of Drew McIntyre, I'm just sick of Dolph Ziggler. Um because I really feel like Drew McIntyre is one of the best, if not the best guys on the roster, and I feel like he should be universal champion. You've got guys like Seth Rollins, Elias, Drew McIntyre, and Braun Strowman. Okay, my opinion, the four best guys on the roster. Okay. They should be fighting for the Universal Championship. And hopefully, after the big baby Brock Lesnar drops his fucking title at SummerSlam, Hopefully, by the end of the year, we can get Drew going after that uh, universal title. We can only hope. We can only hope. And the next segment, you know, and to let everybody know at home, um, usually I'm unhappy with Raw every week. Um, it's got some good points. It's got some, uh, there, there's some good moments from time to time on Raw, usually I'm dissatisfied with the whole product as a whole, but I, I look at the positives this week, okay? Weeks ago, if you remember, I talked about the fact that we had an entire hour's worth So, Every week, um, I usually complain about Roman Reigns um, because I feel like WWE keeps cramming Roman Reigns down our throats, and I, I'm just utterly sick of Roman Reigns, and I, I legitimately hope he gets an injury and is just out for like eight months, ten months. Um, 
just because this guy has no personality, um, I feel like he's like a fucking robot. Um, but I digress. Um, and and one and I talked about this like I was saying um, a few weeks ago when we had an entire hour's worth of Roman Reigns. But I look at the positives, okay? I try to stay positive every week when I go into watching Monday Night Raw. And one of the positives that I found this week, think about it like this. We got eight minutes, eight minutes. I counted it in between the promo and the match. We had only eight minutes of Roman Reigns this week. That's a hell of a lot better than almost than dedicating the entire hour to Roman Reigns. And maybe they, excuse me, maybe they do that on purpose. So we feel this sense of relief. When Roman's not on TV. We're like, hey, this was actually a, a decent wrestling show. And what's usually, and, and maybe you at home, uh, maybe you agree. But I've noticed this. The weeks when the show is better. Now, I'm not going to say Raw is good by any means necessary. But... Weeks when the show is better, you notice the limited amount of Roman Reigns time. I, it's something I noticed. Maybe you did too. I don't know. But it seems to me the shows tend to be better with less Roman. So once, so we get this cringeworthy Roman Reigns segment which leads up to gender versus Roman, in which it's not really gender versus Roman, it's Sunil Singh against Roman, in which gender hypes up the great, oh, trying to build up to it being the great Kali, but really he's putting Sunil Singh in the ring, and Sunil Singh is shocked because he's like, seriously, I'm not a wrestler. In which Roman hits him with a Superman punch and then spears him for the pinfall. In which immediately after he pins him, Jinder nails Roman with the Coloss and slowly carries Sunil Singh to the back. God awful segment, just god awful. Next, we get to another uh, completely awful match with the B-Team versus Heath Slater and Rhino. Um, I'm done with the B-Team. I am so over this boring, no-flavor, um, weak, just unimportant storyline with the B-Team. Um, and I don't know how I'm supposed to take the B team seriously. I don't. Because they beat Brazongo twice. And they won this tag team battle royal. Which was ultimately god awful. Now they've got a tag team championship match against Matt and Bray. And I feel like Matt and Bray are dead as well. When they first got together and they first won the tag team titles, it was exciting. It was fun. And I just feel like the last few weeks, like, I could give a shit less about the deleters of worlds. I, I just... Maybe you feel the same. Let me know. Uh, you can check out all my podcasts, and you can check out um, all of the Juice podcasts 
at my Facebook page, The Mountain Man, Spike Von Shadow. Once again, that's The Mountain Man, Spike Von Shadow on Facebook. Check out uh, all my posts and all my uh, all my podcasts. You can get all my uh, viewpoints in the world of WWE. And, like, I really like Matt Hardy. Um but I feel like this whole the leader of worlds thing, it started off good. And I just, I feel like it's uneventful now. I feel like it's stale. It's it's not fresh. And I'm hoping, and I'm, I'm just putting this out there, that money in the bank, Dolph Ziggler, and Drew McIntyre are going to break up this, this tag team championship match. I'm hoping. I'm putting that out there. That they're going to put the tag team division on notice by going out there and destroying them both. But we get the B team taking a win over Heath Slater and Rhino, in which we have Matt Bray coming out saying that they're here. And that, uh, well done, you obsolete mules. And giving them a warning that they're going to eat you and delete you. I'm really not, really, really not excited for this match. And I feel like I should be. I really feel like going into Money in the Bank, I should be excited for this match. But I'm not. You're not giving me sustenance to this match. You're not giving me something exciting to look forward to. I feel Matt and Bray are going to destroy the B team. And even if, even if the B team walks out of Money in the Bank with the titles. I feel like that's a disgrace. I feel like that's trash. I wish there was a money in the bank tag team ladder match and somebody would cash in and take the titles. I feel like the tag team championships haven't been relevant in a long fucking time. I really do. I feel like the raw tag team championships have not been relevant in a long fucking time. And I love tag team wrestling and I just for the life of me, I, I feel bad. I feel like I should care about this, but I don't. Because you haven't given me the means, the motives, the storyline to care about this. We had the bar lose the tag titles to Braun Strowman and a 10-year-old. In which the tag titles are then put up for grabs and May and, and Matt and Bray won them. I digress. Moving forward, we get one of the few segments, one of the few rivalries, one of the few things to care about on Monday Night Raw. Elias and Seth Rollins, okay? Now, you know, I talk a lot of shit, and, I, and I'm utterly disappointed with the Raw product. But the Elias-Seth Rollins thing is actually really cool, and I actually do like that for multiple reasons. Number one, Seth Rollins is the juice on Monday Night Raw. He is the fucking juice, bro. And I would go so far as to say that Kenny Omega is like the juice around the world. Just saying. He's like that Florida natural. Okay. For you at home uh, who drink orange juice, uh, that Florida natural. You know that shit is the best orange juice on the planet. That Florida natural. And that's like what Kenny Omega is. Now. As far as Seth Rollins and Elias goes. Uh, we start with a segment where Elias actually gets to finish his concert, actually gets to finish a song. 
quite surprising, if you ask me. In which he talks about the uh, Arkansas hillbillies, or Arkansas. <laughs> in which Elias unveils a new guitar he got from John Mayer. About. Come on, everybody at home. We know he did not get no damn guitar from John Mayer. In which Coachman um, goes on to say John Mayer is a hip-hop artist. Um, really, Coachman? Really? I. To those at home, maybe you don't know. Maybe you... Uh, but John Mayer is not a hip-hop artist, okay? He's uh, a blues rock guitarist. Um... He doesn't do anything really hip-hop-ish. So um, to those of you who were confused or to those of you who thought John Mayer was a hip-hop artist, uh, I know music. John Mayer is not hip-hop. Okay. Moving forward. Um, I think John Mayer's trash, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> um, I talk about this, and I've talked about this in depth before on my other podcast. What is that? Um talked about how I think John Mayer's trash, but that's another time, another story. But point is, in this segment, Elias talks about how he's going to win the Intercontinental title, and uh, he's got this cool Fender acoustic electric guitar, in which, once again, Coachman goes on with the most cringe-worthy comment. He's like, acoustic electric, they make those things? And then I'm like, oh my gosh, are you serious, bro? Are you fucking serious? Wow. Um, how little people know about the world sometimes, um, sometimes just baffles me. Um, in which Seth Rollins comes out to burn it down. They have a, they, they have a little bit of a tussle in the ring in which he throws Elias over the ropes. And he and Elias hits his tailbone on the ring apron. And that shit looked like it legitimately hurt. If you've seen that segment, you'll know what I'm talking about. But I just kept thinking to myself, like, wow. Like, that shit looked like it legitimately hurt. In which... This segment was brilliant because Seth Rollins really plays with the crowd and he really feeds off the crowd. And we knew he was going to destroy the guitar, but the way he really ramped it up and, and really brought the anticipation before finally destroying the guitar was, was brilliant. So it's gonna be. So I can't wait. I, I think that's gonna be one of the few matches on Money in the Bank that's gonna be exciting to watch is Seth Rollins versus Elias for the Intercontinental Title. And in this uh, Fender guitar that Elias had, he actually had the Intercontinental belt uh, airbrushed onto the guitar, and it was very classic old school WWE. And I thought it was. I thought it was really cool. And part of me was like. Being a guitar player myself, part of me was like, really, Seth? That, that's a badass guitar, bro. But it, in the other hand, it was a good segment, and it was funny to watch. We move on from that to Kevin, Owen, uh, Kevin Owens and Bobby Roode, uh, in which he's still talking about how we need to work together to take down the monster among men. Next, we actually get a, another good match. Um, this is another one of the few matches this week that I really liked was Bailey versus the Riot, uh, or not Riot Squad, uh, Bailey versus Ruby Riot, in which uh, the the whole match was really, really good. And in the end, the Riot Squad come up with a distraction. Um, and at one point, the Riot Squad create the distraction. Bailey gets flung into the ring post. Ruby nails the Riot kick for the pinfall. And then afterwards, the Riot Squad with, I think that's mascara. Uh, I don't know. I don't know makeup. Uh, write an R on Bailey. Um, wow. Uh, it was a really cool segment. I thought it was really neat. Um, one of the few actual segments this week that I thought was worth watching. 
Next, we get to Rhonda and Natalia backstage, and uh, which they talk about being careful and, and being ready and all this other shit. Um, and then we get to the Nia Jax and Ronda Rousey segment, which was actually a pretty decent segment. Decent. In which Ronda Rousey goes over her list of accomplishments, and I'm going to be in the UFC Hall of Fame. Listing uh, that I was born ready and how Nia Jax thinks that goes on about how there are certain things you can do in the WWE that you can't do in UFC and how she ain't ready. And and I feel feel like both the Raw and SmackDown women's division, especially the championship. I'll get to this a little more when I talk about SmackDown, but... I feel like the theme this week is ready. Being ready. Carmella talking about how Asuka isn't ready for her and about Nia Jax saying that Ronda isn't ready, in which Ronda goes on to say how she was born ready. In which we we get this stare down between the two in the middle of the ring, and which Rhonda applies the arm bar, and Nia Jax taps. Few things enter my mind as I watch this. Number one, why are you giving us a preview to what's going to happen at Money in the Bank? If you're going to have Ronda take the title, why do that the Raw before Money in the Bank? It's almost like you're, you're giving us the end of the match before it happens. Another thing, wouldn't it be more productive to maybe have Nia Jax just completely destroy Ronda before Money in the Bank? Leading us into thinking that Nia's going to walk out with the championship? I'm going to get to that more when I start talking about my Money in the, day, uh, money in the Bank predictions. But um, the segment was pretty good. Um, except for the arm bar in which I'm kind of confused. Uh, are, you, are you trying to tell us that it's going to happen? Or are you trying to tell us it's not going to happen? I think putting that in the show week before Money in the Bank, um, I don't think it was needed. So we move on to No Way Jose versus Kurt Hawkins. And this, oh man. This segment by far was probably one of the worst this week. In which I ultimately asked myself, why is Kurt Hawkins on TV? In which another week goes by where we don't get the authors of pain. So I think to myself, okay, we can't put the authors of pain on TV, but we can put 0 for 200 Kurt Hawkins. Why? Whatever. No way Jose versus Kurt Hawkins. No way Jose comes out to the ring with his conga line. Kurt Hawkins gets an entrance in which he had snuck in and was the guy who was dressed in blue in the back of the conga line. Tries to come up from behind and hit No Way Jose in which the la- the match ends about uh, or lasts for about a minute and a half and No Way Jose beats him. And the losing streak... Continues for Kurt Hawkins. And in the beginning of this whole segment, they were talking about how ESPN is doing this article about Kurt Hawkins and how he can keep wrestling in a 0-200 loss record. I don't get it either. We follow that up with a Bobby and Finn segment in which... Finn Balor tells Bobby Roode that he needs to keep an eye. Uh, he's going to keep one eye on Kevin Owens and one eye on Bobby Roode. 
And the worst segment this week, the worst segment of Raw. This is one of the things I'm going to start doing moving forward this week, or moving forward here at the podcast. The worst segment of Monday Night Raw, once again, goes to Bobby Lashley and Sami Zayn in this cringeworthy obstacle course. Everybody at home, listen, okay? I did three years in the military, uh, 10 months in Iraq. And I really feel like this whole Sami Zayn, Bobby Lashley storyline is fucking trash. And I feel like it's very disrespectful to the military, and I feel like it's very disrespectful to those of us who have served. Especially, like, I feel like this segment in particular, this segment in particular, compared to especially last week, and I get it, I get it where the WWE is coming from with this. Okay? They're trying to play this whole babyface heel thing where Bobby Lashley represents America and the military, and, and Sami Zayn is this heel, anti-American, Canadian, and, and I just, I feel like this week they've gone too far, and last week questioning Bobby Lashley's military service, I feel like that was, that was bad. Okay, but I feel like this, I, I feel like they, they keep doing this every week. And I get it, you guys, uh, the WWE's come over when we were in Iraq, and they held shows and everything, and I know that the WWE supports the military and supports veterans. Um, and so this is why I question, and I, I don't understand how you can poke fun of the military like this. In my opinion, it looks like you're poking fun of the military, but it's just because you don't know the military. Like this obstacle course, most of this obstacle course was nothing I went through in basic training. We went through something significantly more difficult. We never had to pick up tires and and move tires and shit. And then especially around that first corner, when you had to go underneath that box of, of rope. No, we went underneath barbed wire. Like, I, I don't know. Like, the, the, the obstacle course, in my opinion, was a fucking joke. Number one, I feel like the segment was a fucking joke. And I feel like ultimately... This segment, this storyline is going absolutely fucking nowhere. In which, to sum all this up, Bobby Lashley goes through this obstacle course, Sami Zayn attacks him at the end. Fucking trash segment, and I I really don't get, well, I get where they're going with this, but I think it was just, in bad taste, and uh, it left a bad taste in my mouth. So, whatever. Next, we get to a segment with Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, and Bobby Roode. And them once again talking about how they need to team up. And that's when Braun shows up and says, yeah, uh, how about you guys team up against me in the match tonight? In which we follow that up with the big fatal four-way match with Kevin Owens, Bobby Lashley, Braun Strowman, and Finn Balor. In which, in the beginning of the match, they do, they are kind of every man for themselves, and then they eventually team up against Braun Strowman, but Braun Strowman ultimately destroys each and every one of them. And then at one point, as they were walking up the ramp, 
Kevin Owens tries to leave, in which uh, Braun Strowman grabs him and throws him uh, uh, from the back area and throws him onto the ramp when he tried to leave. And then they, uh, I, I said this at one point in the match. Um, it wasn't a fair fight until they added the ladder. So let's add this up. One Braun Strowman equals a Bobby Roode, a Kevin Owens, a Finn Balor, and a ladder. Because when it was just the three of them fighting Braun Strowman, he was whooping their ass until they busted out this ladder. And then it seemed to go in their favor in which Kevin Owens frog splashes Braun Strowman on the announce table, which was actually really cool. Um, I liked this match too. And then we get for the... For the majority of the rest of the match, we get Bobby Roode and Finn Balor in the ring. And then eventually Kevin Owens makes his way back. And then Braun Strowman makes his way back. In which he does the running slam around the outside of the ring. Runs into Finn Balor. Runs into Bobby Roode. Runs into Kevin Owens with these shoulder tackles. And knocks them all on their ass. Then at the very end, we get a coup de gras, a glorious DET, and a frog splash. All done to Finn, or all done to Braun Strowman, in which Braun beats the hell out of each and every one of them and ends with the frog splash, in which Braun Strowman kicks out of that. And then Kevin Owens gets the bright idea to grab a ladder from underneath the ring and try to hit Braun with that. He hits him twice with the ladder, and then Braun grabs the ladder, knocks Kevin Owens to the ground, lays the ladder down, running power slam onto the ladder. Braun Strowman then gets the one, two, three for the win. So, all in all, uh, it was better than last week, but that's not saying much. And this week, once again, Seth Rollins is the juice. Braun Strowman is the juice. Jinder Mahal, Roman Reigns have no juice whatsoever. And most of the roster is lacking juice. Stay tuned to my next podcast, which will be my SmackDown review, in which I will be going over more news in WWE slash sports entertainment, and I'll be giving you my predictions for Money in the Bank. Stay tuned for that. Thank you for joining me today on The Juice Wrestling Podcast. And remember, everyone... Keep the juice flowing. I'll see you next time.